The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about freedom. Talking about freedom. I will fight for the right to live in freedom. This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Welcome to another hour of all things financial here on Financial Freedom on this beautiful Easter weekend. I hope this finds you and your family well. And as always, thank you for taking out the time to uh, join us here and uh, listen in. Hopefully, uh, we'll make our time together valuable for you as I do my best to impart some financial guidance and helping you make wise financial decisions. It's my goal here to be your trusted resource for financial truths. And if you have anything you'd like to discuss with me, anything you'd like to inquire of me, anything, if it's important to you relating to your finances, I promise it's important to me. You can reach me here at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580. And anywhere else, toll free, it's 800 724-5801. Once again, that's 800-724-5801. And you can, if you do not want to call, you can just shoot me an email here live. Uh, pops up here, and I'll be uh, able to read it if you have something you'd like to ask of me by emailing me here live during this uh, hour at ffradio at comcast.net that's ff as in financial freedom radio at comcast.net well we have the quarter behind us for 2018 and looking at where the markets closed on thursday looking at the first quarter of 2018 now in the books uh, the broad U.S. markets uh, ended the the uh, quarter down a little over 1% here in the U.S. Uh, global markets had different returns. Emerging markets uh, actually uh, did best, uh, which is w one of the reasons why we are always, always uh, encouraging you as you think about how you invest it's important that based upon your specific goals, objectives, your own personal financial plan, which as you've heard me say on numerous occasions, your portfolio should always be the servant of your plan. Um, and if you do not have a plan, then your portfolio uh, can definitely use some improvement because it should be based around your specific goals outlined in your 
financial plan. But one of the things within that context that I've always urged you to to strongly consider is building a global portfolio, not just one that is invested here in the U.S. And there are many reasons for it, but simply put, the research has shown that not only can it reduce the overall risk of your entire portfolio by having a globally diversified portfolio, but it can actually increase over time the expected returns. Notice I didn't say guaranteed returns. Uh, I said expected returns. And that's, that's you know, it, there, there are times during extreme down markets, like we saw in, you know, when the markets started going down at uh, started in October 9th or on October 9th, 2007, and then continued to proceed down through that sharp bear market, uh, October 2007, all the way through and bottoming out uh, March of 2009. During extreme volatile down years like that, it is very common for global markets all to go down. So the diversification benefits are not necessarily during down markets. Where you can receive some really nice benefits and, and capture the returns inherent in global diversification is that markets here in the U.S., relative to markets over in Asia, Europe, uh, and elsewhere, do not always go up at the same pace. There are years that markets here in the U.S. might be flat, and over in Asia, say India, uh, Japan, they, they, they can have really strong years. So the main thing and the main benefit of global diversification is that markets throughout the world go up at different rates at different times. But during down markets, most often, although not always, but the vast majority of the time, during down markets, you will see that most major equity markets do go down. So that's why, as part of your overall portfolio you you hear me preach over and over again that it's paramount it's paramount that you have an adequate amount of short-term and intermediate term u.s government bonds in your portfolio which can help serve as a shock absorber now year to date as the stock market here in the u.s over the last three months um, if you would have sold uh, on Friday, uh, the U.S. markets, as I said, were down just a little over 1%. U.S. bond markets are actually down a little bit as well. And that is simply because interest rates over the last six months last year have slowly started going up. Now, the great news is if you are invested in a bond mutual fund, and specifically, I'm talking about U.S. government bond funds and high-quality investment-grade bond funds. Although the share price of bond funds in this very short time period are down just a little bit, 
guess what is happening to your yield? As bonds are maturing within these bond funds and the managers are reinvesting them, they're reinvesting them in higher yielding bonds. So your dividend and yield is slowly going up. So it's not that stocks and government bonds every single day move in opposite directions. And it's not that they move in opposite directions every month or every quarter, as we've seen this quarter. But what we do know is that when investment grade and government bonds have had time periods when they are down, their down years are substantially, substantially less than stocks. So that's how they can serve as a good stabilizer in your in your overall portfolio and that's why one of the things that we recommend for all of our clients when we do financial planning is to make sure make sure that you have a minimum a, a very bare minimum of at least seven to ten years of what you anticipate you may be needing to withdraw for whether it be retirement income whether it be for planned expenditures for trips vacations whatever your specific goals are any monies that you anticipate that you're going to need over the next seven to ten years, you want to have out of the stock market and in things such as money markets, short-term CDs, short-term government bonds, and intermediate-term government investment-grade bonds, because that's what gets you through the bear markets that we inevitably and normally will have and reliably will have in stocks. Okay, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, uh, I would love to hear from you. If you have anything you'd like to ask of me, you can reach me here at 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800-724-5801 or shoot me an email here live at ffradio at comcast.net. I'm Tim Decker. This is Financial Freedom. Welcome back. Tim Decker here with you on this beautiful, beautiful Easter weekend. For those of us of the Christian faith celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go to the phones. We have Bill from East Petersburg. Hi, Bill. How are you, sir, and how may I help you? Hi, Tim. Thank you for taking my call. Well, Absolutely. I, I just want to give you a background. I'm 80 years old. I have an IRA. It's about 80% in mutual funds and 20% in stocks. Okay. Uh, I listen to the financial news just about every morning. And I, I listened to these ads from Fisher Investments. Mm -hmm. Ken Fisher. And he, yep. he says he says there's there's alternatives to mutual funds, and he'll never sell annuities. Mm -hmm. What's his secret for making money? <laughs> his secret for making money is he lures people in to turn their money over to him, and he makes money off of them. That's how he makes money. How how does he do it? I mean, does he invest in stocks or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I, I mean, I mean, Mr. Fisher is a marketing genius. Um, he has a huge company. I believe they're located on the West Coast. Uh, I've actually worked with. Well, we actually have some clients that had worked with him that uh, uh, had their investments with him in the past. Um, and essentially, uh, the sales pitch is. 
you don't want mutual funds. Uh, you can, you should be able to graduate. He says that's a good thing for beginners, but if you really want the sizzle, you really want to make some money, come to us and we're going to essentially what they do is they speculate. They try to pick horses on the racetrack. They try to pick individual stocks, which we all know if you look at the academic evidence is a loser's game, but essentially that's that that's what they're, that's what their whole sales pitch is, and you turn your money over to them, and they lead you to believe that they're going to be able to outperform the indexes and the markets. And then, again, what we know is over time, you know, maybe about 3% of managers um, are even able to match the indexes, a little, little less uh, outperform them. So my, my rec recommendation is, uh, and it doesn't matter if it's Mr. Fisher or your local guy in Lancaster or Harrisburg or whatever, please don't turn your money over to somebody and let them try to pick individual stocks. It is a loser's game, and don't take my word for it. All you got to do is look at what all of the evidence shows. So, Okay. I have one other question. Sure. Uh, in, in Barron's, a couple weeks ago, they had an article... Mm -hmm. It said, beware of high payouts can equal low stock prices. Mm -hmm. And in the article, they, they mention Occidental Petroleum, which I happen to own. Okay. And it mentions that they pay out, their dividend payout ratio is 220%. Okay. But the, the dividend is 4.7, and that's what I'm interested in, the dividend. Is there such a thing as a high dividend paying stock in a and a stock that's going to appreciate in price? Yes. I mean, here's here's what you really need to think about, Bill. <clears throat> I do appreciate your liking a dividend. Many, many investors and a lot of retirees like to have stocks that pay them a nice dividend. I get that. I understand that. However... What a lot of people fail to understand is what what's most important is to focus on total return, which total return is a combination of any appreciation or depreciation of a stock and or its dividend added to that. So you can you can have a stock that has a four percent dividend over the next year. But if the share price of the fund, or I'm sorry, of the stock drops by 6%, let's see, you have a 6% decrease in the price, you got a positive return of 4%, that means your total return was still a negative 2%. And whenever stocks pay dividends, all, all that's happening is they're taking monies out of out of their operating funds, out of their their profits, out of you know all of the revenue that they have coming in, and rather than reinvesting it and 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 having future growth, they're choosing to pay some of that out to shareholders. And when they take, if you ever look like at a stock or a mutual fund, when they pay a dividend, the share price automatically reduces to reflect that. So all they're doing is they're taking it from the company and paying it out, and it's strictly something that's being done uh, uh, 
because they're choosing not to reinvest it in other forms of operation. Now, when we go back and we look over long periods of time and we look again, always going back to what the evidence, what the academic, statistically reliable evidence shows us, Bill, there absolutely is not a reliable correlation of saying, okay, high dividend paying stocks are going to outperform those that don't. Now, what we do know is over time, when you look back again at all the evidence, is that value stocks have outperformed and do have a higher expected return than growth stocks. And oftentimes, value stocks do tend to be some of these stocks that have a higher dividend payout. But the reason for their outperformance is because they fall more within the realm of a value stock versus a stock that happens to pay out a high high dividend. What I recommend is you build a portfolio where you can you can make your own dividend by setting up a systematic withdrawal plan and once a year or once a month just systematically have some shares sold but to own a nice diversified portfolio where you do own some stocks that have have some dividends but you also have some that don't so you have that nice blend there so i hope that helps you out did that answer okay. what you were asking Wait, would you recommend like utilities or some other high yield uh class of stocks as part of your overall portfolio they can be a fit but utility stocks themselves are very interest rate sensitive they often can move very similar to to bonds because most of the returns from utilities historically have come from from uh, the, the the dividends so they can be part of your overall portfolio but again if you just focus on building a portfolio, Bill, that you own nothing but low-cost index funds, and you build that where you're going to own four or five uh, uh, good low-cost index funds that invest globally, you're going to have the diversification that you need. Your expenses are going to be low, and you're going to automatically own own some stocks that you know have have some dividends as well within those. Uh, funds. So I would not pick individual stocks. Please don't play that game. Stay with the low cost index funds and you're going to increase your odds of outperformance relative to the average investor out there. You're going to lower your risk. You're going to I mean it's just win-win-win. So that's what I highly recommend and that is supported by all of all the evidence. Okay, thank you very much and I listen to your show every Saturday. Well, thank you, and happy Easter, Bill. Same to you. Okay. Take care, sir. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, um, Mr. Fisher, uh, Ken Fisher, um, has aggressively been spending some money uh, at, at advertising. Uh, one of the things that I uh, tend to agree with him uh, on definitely is uh, – the vast majority of annuities are designed to transfer money from the consumer's pocket to the salesman. Uh, as you know, I've talked about that on numerous, numerous 
occasions. And uh, just this past week, I actually uh, was, I just met with somebody again. And and this happens almost weekly where they were sold some annuities at a free dinner seminar. And, uh, you know, they brought, brought them in. And when we went through them all and looked at, uh, the way that these things work, which they knew half of the story, surprise, surprise, because when people are selling these uh, uh, annuities and these fixed indexed annuities, which are like the worst of the worst, uh, they tell you everything that you want to hear. And, uh, you know, they, they just tout how you can participate in the returns of the market and, you know, never have your money go down. Well, when you look at the actual returns of what these things have done over time, the average that you're going to see is they're probably around two or three percent. Well, that's all well and good, but you know I would much rather you use investment grade government bonds and high quality investment grade bond funds to get the same similar returns, but have the liquidity and also not have the money just grow tax deferred, tax deferred, tax deferred. And then ultimately uh, it can be a nightmare when you go to take money out because it's all going to be taxed at, at ordinary income versus uh, potentially capital gains rates, which for many individuals is lower than their ordinary income. Okay, we're going to go to our first, uh, I'm sorry, this will be our second break. We're going to go to the news. And again, if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, ask away. I'll be happy to help you any way I can. You can reach me here, 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll free. It's 800-724-5801 or shoot me an email here live at ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Second half, financial freedom where it's my goal and it's my passion, which is why I'm here with you each and every Saturday to encourage you to make the right decisions as it pertains to your finances on your way to ultimately achieving financial freedom, but also, and if not even more important, to remind you and educate you and warn you about the landmines, the financial landmines that are all around you all over the place. There are so many uh, scenarios out there, so many products that are sold, that are used, uh, that are designed, again, to be sold, not bought. And uh, if you can avoid all that stuff and simply, simply, just do just a handful of things right, you will tremendously increase the opportunity that you and your family will achieve financial freedom. Financial freedom, my definition of it is when you get your financial house in such good order that you have a financial plan, you have a beautifully diversified portfolio of low-cost passively managed funds you then have a process in place ideally working with a trusted fee-only financial advisor who can then manage your 
portfolio for you, monitoring it and regularly rebalancing it only when it's needed. And then also having the other parts of your financial house in order, having the basics of your estate plan all taken care of, making sure that you have your wills up to date. You got your powers of attorney for health care and finance, that you have living wills and you have trusts where it's applicable. And then also making sure that you're, you're being smart with how your taxes are being addressed how your investments are being managed within the realm of tax smart strategies. And then also making sure that, that you have the insurances that you need, but by all means are not paying for any insurance that you do not need. And how do you pull all this together? Again, I urge you, if you have not yet done so, go out and find and seek and develop a relationship with a trusted 100% fee-only advisor who has nothing to sell you, doesn't sell insurance, doesn't sell annuities, doesn't sell mutual funds, sells nothing, but sits on your side of the table and is paid by you and you alone to help you and your family first develop a plan, implement the plan, and then monitor it and look after it for you very carefully so that you and your family are free from having to worry about all this financial stuff that's going on throughout the world. That, my friend, is financial freedom. Something that I had read a couple weeks ago, I just want to read it to you one more time. Human nature in the world of investing leads to a human being seeing an asset class declining, meaning the risk is rising. When a human sees an asset class declining, we see the risk of we see the risk rising, while the opposite is also true. When an asset class is rising, human nature says, Risk is declining. Let me read that again. When a human sees an asset class declining, we see the risk rising, while the opposite is also true. When we see an asset class rising, human nature says risk is declining. Unfortunately, the opposite is true, and that's why so many in the vast majority of investors, again, as all of the data shows us, over time significantly underperform the markets, and so much of it has to do with our own human nature. When we see prices declining, when actually that means risk is declining, we see risk as rising. So, one of the most important things, one of the most hands down most important things is your ability to be disciplined, your ability to be patient. But there's going to be a high correlation of your ability to be patient and disciplined relative to the confidence that you have in how you're invested. How confident are you? Do you know what you own? Do you know what the expenses are? of your investments? Do you know what the process is in place 
as to when you sell some of your investments or you buy more of your investments. What leads to a change? What about the tax impact of when something is sold? When do you rebalance? How do you know? Do you have all of this in writing? All of the things that I just mentioned, you should know the answers to all of those. You should know what you own. You should know what your allocations are. You should know what the expenses are of your investments. You should know what the process is that monitors your investment. You should know when they are going to be rebalanced. You should know in which accounts you're going to hold taxable investments, which accounts you're going to hold tax-deferred investments. If you're in a higher tax bracket, you're going to definitely want to look at having your, your most tax-inefficient investments, such as bonds and bond funds, whenever possible, held in your tax-deferred accounts, like your 401ks, your 403bs, your traditional IRAs, but in your taxable accounts, you're going to want to have, whenever possible, your more tax-efficient investments, such as stocks, stock mutual funds, and things of that nature. But your whole household should fit together. Does yours? Do you have a plan that incorporates all of your accounts as part of your master asset allocation? Do you have a reasonable understanding and a realistic understanding what your portfolio will do when we have, notice I said when, not if, when we have the next major bear market, when we have the next 30, 35% decline? Do you know what to expect? What if you're taking income out of your investments? How are you going to What's the plan for you to continue to take income during down markets? Have you accounted for that? What about rising interest rates? What's that going to do to your portfolio? What's the quality of the bonds that you hold in your investments? Are they only U.S. government? Are they global government? Are there some high-yield bonds in there that you don't even know about? High-yield sounds good, but high-yield means junk. It means they're lower-rated bonds. The same type of bond funds and bonds that went down in 2008, 20 to 30%, while safe, high-grade investment grade bonds and U.S. government bonds were up as much as 5 or 10%. Do you know how that all fits together? What about your rebalancing? When is that done? What triggers that? Is it just based on a calendar date? Or is there a dynamic process that monitors your investments regularly and they are rebalanced when they drift above or below a certain parameter? See, when I meet with people regularly, weekly, for the first time, when I ask people many of these things that I just asked you, the vast majority of them don't have answers. Or their answer is, well, I just kind of figure it out as I 
go along uh, or I'm working with an advisor that um, I think they're doing that and you know that's that's the, their their job and there's nothing wrong with that being their job that's what you should be paying your advisor for but I urge you don't blindly choose to not have some basic understanding of what's being done one of the things that we tell people all the time when we interview new individual families or individuals to potentially bring on as a wealth management client we have a very stringent interview process that we take people through because we only bring on a certain number of new clients every year and uh, there are some certain attributes that we look for but one of the things that we emphasize and 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 I will emphasize this to you all is we emphasize that it's important that you have a desire to initially want to learn what we're going to show you and teach you as to how how we invest why we invest that way which is strictly based upon academic evidence financial science but to then help you understand what the ongoing process will be and the reason that we want that and the reason you should want that with whoever you are working with is it's that confidence in that process that's going to get you through the next down market because if you don't have confidence and you can't have confidence in something that you don't understand how are you gonna get through it that's why so many people when the rough waters come their emotions take over because they have no confidence in what they have and they abandon their their uh, investments and it ends up backfiring okay we're gonna take our last break when we come back we'll pick right back up uh, we'd have time for maybe one or two calls if you have anything you'd like to ask of me give me a call 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800 724-5801 or you can shoot me an email at ffradio at comcast.net we'll be right back welcome back as we wind down here on financial freedom on this beautiful beautiful Easter weekend I hope this is a special time for you and in your family as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ for those of us uh, who are of the Christian faith it's a very special weekend so let's uh, uh, reflect on that as we look back at the end of this first quarter and uh, we'll get into some more specific numbers in the the uh, weeks ahead here one of the things that uh, I want to remind you of and it's very very important is when you go back and you look at the long-term returns say from 1928 up through 2017 of the US stock market the returns are average about 9.6 9.7% annualized and a lot of people know that a lot of people just say you know long-term returns have been about 10% a year but what you need to really grasp and get your arms around is there 
mo- the vast majority of the time, and I I forget how many actual years. I think there's just a, a a handful, maybe two or three, if I'm if I'm accurate. But I know it's it's very very small number of years that actually had that nine point six or ten percent return. All the other times the returns are above that line or below that line. And when you account for the returns that the stock market has provided, not only here in the U.S., but around the world, the vast majority of those returns can be credited towards short burst time periods. In other words, there are a handful of times over, say, like a 10-year time period that almost all of the returns can be attributed to in a short time period. There's bursts. It happens in very short time periods. And that's why it's important to understand that to capture the returns that are inherently available to those of us that are part owners of companies throughout the world, which is, when you think about it, when you're a stockholder, you're you are part owner of that company. And if you own a beautiful diversified portfolio of low cost institutional asset class funds or second best low cost index funds, you literally are gonna be indirectly part owner of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of companies throughout the world. And to capture the returns that are available as a result of being a business owner, you have to have the patience and you have to have the understanding that there will be times when your returns are going to temporarily be down and there's going to be extended time periods, extended time periods where the returns are minimal. And the reason why it's important to understand that is it's easy to become impatient. It's easy to get discouraged and abandon your investments. And just when you do, you miss out on one of those short spurts that can that can provide tremendous r- returns. If we go back and we look at, at all the people who threw in the towel as a result of 2008 and 2009, and said, I just can't take it anymore. They have missed out on the the tremendous, tremendous burst that we've had in returns from March 2009 up until now, where the markets have gone up threefold and fourfold. They'll never make that back. So the, the, the real risk for investors with monies invested for the long term, when I say long term, I'm talking 10, 20, 30 years, the rest of your life. The real risk isn't being in the markets when we have normal temporary corrections and normal temporary bear markets. Those things will happen, but that's not the risk. The risk is being out of the markets and missing out on just one of those rare surges 
those rare bursts, those spurts that account for the bulk of the returns. If you just miss out on a handful of those, you miss out on a tremendous, tremendous amount of the overall returns. Thus the reason having a plan and a process that is disciplined, that takes your personal hunch off the table, that takes your speculation, that takes any advisor that you may be working with who has led you to believe that they're going to be able to pick stocks that are going to outperform the markets or to help you determine when you should increase your exposure to stocks, when you should get in, when you should get out, when you should buy more bonds or more stocks based upon some strategy that is based on speculation and is not grounded in financial science is extremely, extremely dangerous. And that is the reason why so many and the vast majority of individual as well as professional money managers underperform the returns that are simply there for the taking if you will build a beautiful, beautiful, globally diversified portfolio and then have a non-emotional process in place that guides you through whatever the markets do in the short term to help you capture the returns for the long term. That is what we know, and that's what financial science and evidence-based investing is all about. Well, enjoy your Easter. Thank you for making us part of your Easter weekend. God bless, and we'll see you next weekend. Take care.